There are many ways to evaluate the health of a social connection. We know to notice eye contact, body language, tone of voice, and balance of listening and talking between two people. But what about laughter? We intuitively know that when we laugh together, there's a high probability we like one another or have something in common. It can also signal discomfort, a power indifference, or even low self-esteem. Our question this episode: What are the ways laughter and humor advance or distract from our communication? Welcome to episode sixty-three of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. I know that there are infinite ways that you could choose to spend your time, and that you've chosen to spend it here is something that I'm deeply grateful for. So thank you. This topic of laughter in communication came up last week during an improv workshop that I was leading. Now, I'm not really an improv expert. I'm very much a newbie, and I have a lot to learn. That said, I've co-facilitated about a dozen workshops over the years, so I've absorbed the principles enough that I don't just know and understand them, but I do try to integrate them into my life. One of the principles is to be average. Don't try to be funny, smart, or clever, or amazing. Just be you. When we try to be funny, we often try too hard, and we don't quite hit the mark. It's when we are relaxed, when we don't let our ego be in the driver's seat, when we feel safe with the people that we're with, or confident in our own skin, that we are naturally funny, smart, clever, and amazing. Of course, since this was an improv workshop, and many people associate improv with comedy, the subject of being funny came up, especially when we were talking about be average. The workshop participants happened to be all women, not by design; it just turned out that way, and they were all from different companies. When we were debriefing after one of the activities, one of them said how much she tends to use humor in meetings. That led us to talk about the help and harm that humor, and by extension, laughter, has on how people perceive and relate to you. My thoughts here are going to be very introductory, but I hope they're still helpful. The role of humor and laughter in social bonding has been extensively researched, and I'll include a few links on the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com if you want to do further reading. My intention here is to raise your awareness of whether you're using humor in a productive or unproductive way in your communication. As I've already mentioned, a shared sense of humor or having a good belly laugh with someone brings us closer together. It tells us that we have either values, experiences, or knowledge in common. Think about all of the niche humor genres that are out there: lawyers, musicians, teachers, doctors, technology, academia, religion, politics, golf. Math. Every profession and social group has its own inside jokes that bond its members. If you get the joke, it tells you that you belong and that you speak the same language. In a way, that appeals to our tribal nature because it also tells us who doesn't belong, which gives us a sense of our place and our status in society. 
there is value in being able to tell who's in and who's out, because that helps you to know if you're safe, if you're among like-minded people who will understand you, and if you feel safe, then you're more likely to be open, authentic, and vulnerable. This makes humor a social barometer that tells us whether we are among friends. It also reinforces our identity by telling us more about what makes us different from other people. I did a quick Google search for computer programming jokes and found a post titled "Thirty Jokes Only Programmers Will Get." I understood and smiled at about four jokes in the top ten. After that, I didn't get them at. All they might as well have been in a foreign language. Besides thinking about how we identify as professionals, we might find different things funny based on our gender, our generation, race, ethnicity, or geography. Think of all of the funny lists that start out. You know your fill in the blank when, like you know you are a firefighter when, or you know you live in the South when, or you know you're from New York City when. Being able to laugh at something is a different way of knowing than just having the information. We laugh at those lists because they're true for us because we've experienced them, we've lived them. All of this is to say that humor and laughter is a powerful way we connect with others. There are few things in the world that feel more satisfying to me than to cause someone to smile or laugh. When my husband laughs at something that I say or do, it's the same as him telling me that he loves me. I think most couples would probably say the same thing. So it's no surprise that the desire to make others laugh and to use laughter as a way to break down barriers shows up in the workplace. A good laugh at just the right moment can ease tension. It can bring a team together. It gives everyone an energy boost. It can even help you to make more money. I don't have the original source to cite, but I remember Patricia Fripp, who I mentioned a couple episodes ago. She's an internationally known speaker and trainer. I went to one of her workshops, and she shared that speakers who made their audiences laugh were rated more highly and hired more often. I would speculate that this probably carries over into the workplace. That people with a healthy sense of humor and who know how to use laughter to connect with and motivate people are more likely to be promoted or able to negotiate the salary that they really want. All of this points to reasons why humor in our relationships, at work, and in conversation is a positive thing. Why then would I say that there's any problem? There are two points we spent a little time exploring during that improv workshop: that humor can become a defense mechanism or safety blanket, and that it can undermine our message and our authority. We've all known people who diffuse a tense situation with perfectly timed bits of humor. It can be a healthy coping strategy that helps us from going too far into the darkness or taking ourselves too seriously. What comes to mind for me is the funeral scene from the movie version of Steel Magnolias, when Malin,、um, the mother of Truvy, no, it's not Truvy. I take that back. Shelby, <laughs> when Malin, the mother of Shelby, is having a breakdown at the grave site. She has just buried her daughter, and she's sobbing, and she says, "I don't think I can take this. I just want to hit somebody till they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard." 
She's surrounded by her friends, and at that moment, Clarie grabs Weezer by the shoulders, pushes her in front of Malin, and says, "Here, hit this. Go on, slap her." After the women get over their shock, they fall into fits of laughter. At another point in the script of the play and the movie, Truvy in the movie played by Dolly Parton says, "Laughter through tears is my favorite emotion." And haven't we all experienced that at some point? Those moments are a true gift when we are able to hold sorrow and the relief that laughter brings, both at the same time. And we have to be aware if we're using humor as a defense mechanism, if we're always trying to lighten the mood or distract people from bad news by making jokes. When we do that, we're defending ourselves and others from feeling bad. It's natural. To want to avoid feeling scared, sad, lonely, angry, or frustrated, and oftentimes we need to feel those emotions for a while so they can do their work on us. They all have information that we need to learn. It might be that anger shows you what's really important to you, what you really care about. Maybe feeling scared tells you that you need to remove yourself from a situation, or letting yourself get frustrated points to where problems are in a team or on a project, and you decide you've got to make some changes. If we don't spend time in those places, we won't learn the lessons that they have for us. By cracking a joke or laughing it off, we're denying ourselves a learning opportunity. We are shortchanging an important phase of growth when we gather information from our reactions to events and let them tell us what matters most to us. Not every moment of discomfort, fear, or tension needs to be rushed through or fixed as quickly as possible. We don't have to hurry to turn the frown upside down. Let the people around you have their emotions in whatever way that they want. Practice holding back from using humor to deflect from strong emotions. You might tell yourself that you're trying to help them, but. The bottom line is that you're mostly trying to help yourself. You're trying to ease your own discomfort. Besides being able to laugh together, the other way that I know I'm with someone I can trust is that I can be sad with them, and they won't try to fix it. Being the class clown also can lead people to not take you as seriously, or to believe that you have low self-esteem. Now, don't get me wrong. It is an entirely brave thing to try to make people laugh. It's a risk, and you're making yourself vulnerable every time you do it. That said, if it's habitual and it fits your default setting, you're actually avoiding vulnerability because you're letting the humor displace more meaningful connection and communication. This is related to my second point about how humor and especially laughter can undermine your message and authority. Just like we all know someone who is always ready with a joke to break through the tension, we know someone who laughs often nervously after saying something important to them. It might be that they're expressing an opinion or making a request, asking a question, apologizing, or otherwise saying something that stretches their comfort zone. It happens so naturally. We, as the speaker, might not even notice how often we do it. I had a client who would frequently laugh after saying something about how things were going at work, or a sticky situation that he was in, or telling me something about that he was proud of, or something he was disappointed in. 
It's one of the few regrets that I have as a coach that, for whatever reason, I never brought that laughing habit to his attention while we were working together. He was in a leadership position, and I wonder what impact his laughter had on his team. I suspect that it was most often positive. But I also wonder if sometimes it diminished his authority or made it difficult to know what was real laughter versus nervous laughter. It also might have just come across as lacking confidence or not being sure of his decisions. Now, my experience is that women do this more often than men, but I don't know if that's actually true. For myself, I catch myself doing it in meetings, and even when I'm interviewing someone, or if I'm being interviewed for a podcast. In a way, the laughter is a substitute for saying, "Do you get me?" or even, "I'm not really sure, but maybe." It's almost like I'm doing it just in case I need what I said to not be taken seriously, because it might have been wrong or silly or just not very smart. Consider the opposite of this. I read recently that when you're sharing information with someone or expressing an opinion, make your statement, and then towards the end, just nod your head a little bit. The person listening will tend to mirror your nod, whether or not they agree with you. They might be indicating that they agree, or they simply could be indicating that they hear what you're saying. Either way, it's a subtle way to communicate confidence and to have influence. On the flip side, laughter in those moments might communicate a lack of confidence and diminish your influence. It might sound like I'm saying that the only way to appear confident and influential is to be serious, and that's not what I mean at all. It's more about noticing and reflecting on your personal patterns. Laughter and humor, when it's organic and natural, or intentional and strategic, are excellent ways to build community and connection. In fact, I believe that they are essential. I'd go so far as to say that if you don't or can't laugh together, there's reason to question the viability of the relationship. My call to action for you is to really pay attention to how laughter and humor shows up in your communication style. Are you always the one trying to break the tension? Do you allow strong emotions to be in the space without needing to lighten the mood with a joke? How often do you laugh when you're talking? What does your laughter mean in those moments? Is it coming from a "that was funny" place or an "I don't feel confident, please reassure me" place? Do you feel like your laughter is helping people connect to you, or is it actually keeping them at a safe distance? Because if you don't try to be funny, they might find out that you're stressed or depressed. Notice all of these things without judging yourself. There's nothing inherently wrong with these patterns. After all, you're not causing direct or irreversible harm, but they do have the potential to lead others to not take you as seriously as you deserve, or to feel safe that they can have strong emotions around you without being forced to turn the frown upside down, which can feel disrespectful to someone's feelings. Consider what role humor plays in your life, and if it's telling the story about you that you most want to tell. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to this myself. As I said, I know I do the nervous laughter thing way more often than I should. On the one hand, it can seem like I'm being honest and humble. On the other, 
it can come across as annoying and self-defeating. Which one it is depends on the topic, the situation, who I'm with, and how I'm feeling. I suspect there's some truth in that for you, too. The invitation is to notice and be honest about what you see. In addition, watch and listen to the people around you, especially the people that you look up to and that you respect. How do they use humor? What effect does their laughter have on you? And what can you learn from them? I sincerely hope that your upcoming week is full of emotion, laughter, joy, grief, anger, disappointment, elation, because a full life is one in which we feel all of the feels. To feel is to be alive. I'll leave with the words of Irma Bombeck, who said, when humor goes, there goes civilization. So have a good, honest laugh every day. Because, in fact, the future of civilization depends on it. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? You can find past episodes, find out how to leave a review, and learn more about the show at HowCanIsayThis.com. And if you're looking for a dynamic and, yes, even humorous speaker for your conference, meeting, or event, I would love to talk to you. You can email me at Beth at HowCanIsayThis.com or complete the contact form on the website. A special thank you to our podcast producer, Paul Messing. Our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.